Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. was being left alone with a questionable um, relative, right, so that the mom could do things like, you know, go out to party, but, like, her excuse was always, like, I'm gonna be right back, I just gotta go run to the store real quick. Use and, case, mom. And Ari Spears would, you know, was the questionable uncle in question who um, would watch the child do very suggestive things. And they, they, they came under fire recently, right, for um, having an actual child in the fucking video, right? Um, do very questionable, like there's a scene where he's like got this big black train that he's playing with. I don't need to go any further. Um, there's another scene featuring a, a bubble bath. I would be cringing if you were describing an <laughs> anime. And you're not. Needless to say, the mother of the child is uh, very upset and disturbed because she claims that this is her first time seeing the sketch. And it's one of the things like, I don't know who went digging and found this shit. Because <laughs> when was the last time anybody actually checked for Aerie Spears? Um, no disrespect, but all the disrespect. Because <laughs> <laughs> I watched, you know, so... I watched it through proxy, right? Like, I watched a video breakdown where, like, somebody, you know, had the decency to censor out the child and, like, just kind of described, kind of described what was going on in the sketch. But you could still see Aerie Spears being the fucking creep that he is. Because, like, all right, one, one, the sketch just wasn't fucking funny, right? I don't know if it's because of the actual circumstance of the sketch, but... It wasn't like, it just wasn't it, right? Like, I get the idea. It was supposed to be a subversive take on some shit that we all know happened, right? Because it happened, but um, it was done in absolutely the wrong way. Like, maybe it would have been funny if they used, like, an adult to play the child, but the fact that it was an actual child had me fucked up, and um, the level of cringe is rising <laughs> up! And crashing, crashing through. through. That's right. It's your favorite intro starter, the boy Doc. And Ziggy. With the flood. The show talking about the news happening around us and how it shapes the culture that defines us. With, with our pop perspective. To put culture in context. And make the mainstream make sense because if we don't make sense, we don't make dollars. And we are joined today by a former co-worker and member of the generation of Z. Uh, who is currently a guest at the intro to this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's very loud in my ear. But you know what, that's okay. I'm, I'm going a little deaf in that ear anyway, so you know what's Anyway, right. so... Which year was it? I bet it was the one that, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. It's always, it's, it's, it's always, it's if always If it peaks me, in I, the red, I'm used you to know it's something Zig said. Yeah, trust me, I know. I, I know. Anyway, so we have Raph here as a first-time guest. Raph, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, people. So um, I'm Raphael. I am, as Dan, you know, mentioned, uh, a former coworker of his. 
at a certain coffee establishment, which never go to. Um, <laughs> I see, am look, also look, look, don't be don't be quiet. Don't be ashamed. Name them so we know where to never go. I, 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 the place is uh, Baltimore Coffee and Tea, specifically the Hanover location. Woo. Um, yeah, the place stinks. Anyway, so. Ooh. Whoa. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Don't you besmirch those sugar cookies. I will not let any of the sugar cookie slander fly here. Those things are godlike. <laughs> they, were, they were godlike until you have them like three days in a row, and it's like, okay, I feel a little sick now. But um, anyway. Speak for your own <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anywho's. I am in a band in the area. Uh, we are called Pulp Noir. Hey, shout uh, out to Pulp Noir. Dope name. Yeah. It is a dope name. Though. Appreciate it, guys. Um, yeah, we make like punk music and, you know, sprinkle in some other genres here and there. Okay. Um, we have a single out called uh, Who Are You, which it has kind of like a surfy vibe to it. Who, 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 who. Not that one, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at P-U-L-P-N-O-I-R-E-M-D. Uh, that's Pulp Noir M-D. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I checked out some of the singles, there, or the one single that you guys had. I, but, uh, no, I definitely enjoyed it, Joe. Uh, y'all definitely <laughs> got some skills. Uh, so go check out Pulp Noir at Pulp Noir M-D on, what you say, Instagram? Instagram, yeah. We're also uh, on Bandcamp. Funny enough, uh, if you go to our Instagram, we have the little link tree thingy, so there you it go. just takes it to everything. There you go. Simple. Yeah. Hyperlinks OP. <laughs> exactly. But, Raph, as we do with all of our first-time guests, everybody has those beliefs on which they cannot be moved, those hills that they will die on. <laughs> so, we gotta know what hill you are going to die on, and if it will survive this flood. So, tell us, what is your island? Alright, so, island-wise... Um, I don't know if this is really like a hot hot take, but I know like I definitely feel like I'm in the minority on this one. Um, so you know, we all know those Marvel movies, right? The Marvel movies, yeah, all of them. All yeah. of them. Um, honestly, I feel like they stopped being good. <laughs> like Ooh. probably Infinity War. Um, I'm not even counting Endgame because honestly, I feel like that movie's only good because of you know the ten plus years we spent with each character. Infinity in Infinity War is objectively a better movie than Endgame. Okay, yes. But it, the, it is a better film than Endgame. <laughs> I second that. Endgame and, was definitely like crowd service, right? Like the dude, entire movie, yes. Captain America getting that. But I mean, devil's advocate. After I 10 years, we enjoyed that all of that we crowd wanted service. All of it. Hey, I, hey, we all enjoyed it. You yes. know, we're all nerds. We all sat there in that theater and like cheered when he said Avengers oh, Assemble, you know? Yes, yes. But that being said, you know, like I guess you could say that's the final truly good Marvel movie. Since then, you know... You watched Love and Thunder last night. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, see, here's the thing. I saw that movie, and it's like, you know what? If I shut my brain off and act like I'm five years old, I can enjoy this. Absolutely. But, That's like, sometimes you need that. Yeah. Exactly. That's, what That's how for. I feel about the last two Thor movies. I oh. went and I saw them in theaters, hey, hey. and I haven't watched them again since, but I thought they were a lot of fun. All right, we're strapped into a chair watching Ragnarok right now. Uh, I, I mean, I like Ragnarok. I, Lord knows so I love Jeff I Goldblum. Think I like... Thor Love and Thunder more than Ragnarok. The hamminess and the campiness of the whole like will they won't they thing like and then like the whole shit with like Stormbreaker and like it was yes. It was funny. If you shut your brain off and you pretend like you're Martin Scorsese on an amusement park ride (laughs) then it was a great movie. Right? Of course. Was it an excellent piece of cinema? 
Absolutely not. I feel like if Taika Waititi was going to lean into Thor being like the god of heavy metal and thunder, then you could have gone and did more than just like fucking Guns N' Roses, right? I like, was no, he, screaming that. Way have heavier like, than Guns where was the poison at? Where was the white snake? Like, <laughs> Doc right here. He's Motley crew. Right. I mean, look, I love the whole shout out to uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme when he was like doing the split in between the two motorbikes. Like that shit was great, right? I just feel like if you're going to ham it up because it's Thor, and I love that's the approach that they took with this character. When the phases first started and they were like, we're going to make a Thor movie, I was like, what the fuck are you going to do with that character? (laughs) No, I get that, especially because like with all these movies, of course, you know, when they sit down, they're like, okay, we're going to make a movie about um, Squirrel Girl. You know, let's right, just say, like, right. we got to rewrite this character for, like, you know, an actual audience to enjoy, not just, you know, dudes who hang out in comic book stores. Um, if they made a Squirrel Girl movie, I feel like it would totally be, like, on some clueless shit, right? Do you want to know how a Squirrel yeah, Girl yeah, exactly. movie would go? So, a Squirrel Girl movie would be like, Squirrel Girl goes off on a mission. And then, like, the people in the room are, like, talking for a prolonged period of time. And then after the dialogue, they just, like, show up to Squirrel Girl, who's, like, standing over Thanos' corpse. Because she does all of this crazy, overpowered stuff off-screen. It all happens off-screen, except for Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is deathly afraid of squirrels. That is a fact. So, okay. Red. Yeah. As your eye goes. Yeah, no, I just find that, like... The lack of competition um, has just really kind of made them creatively stagnant. You know, like, they're just, like, stuck in this kind of, like, let's go with, like, a lighthearted, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of vibe where everything's just tied up in a neat little bow at the end. And I feel like, you know, as a person who enjoys, like, I I don't want to be that guy, but real cinema (laughs) and these movies, um, you know, it's like, you kind of need a little bit more to spice up the pot a little bit. Which, like, okay, for some context, I'm a big fan of uh, the Daredevil show that was on Netflix, right? Yeah. I feel like that hit that balance perfectly. Where it's like, you know what? It's a superhero thing. It's cool. You know, we all love it. But it's also just a genuinely well-crafted piece of, you know, TV. Alright, so I will say a superhero with a known quantity in pop culture. Because the show that did exactly what you said and nailed it is The Boys. Oh yeah, of course the boys did it. Yeah, but uh, no, no, I was I, saying in terms of Marvel, because yeah. Marvel's, Marvel's not doing that. No, but I see Loki, once again to play devil's advocate. Yeah, Loki, uh, WandaVision, right? Those were both like highbrow <laughs> shows, like seriously. Even even Captain Falcon Winter Soldier, right? Captain Falcon Desert Soldier, Captain Falcon Winter Soldier Desert Chan. Hated it. <laughs> I love Sam Wilson. You know, I, I love the Captain America side of or well, corner of the Marvel Universe. Okay. I just felt like that they show. Stole, they stole a plot device from um, Lovecraft's country. The racism was the scariest thing no, I, all along. So I actually love that. Like, I love the social commentary and stuff. I just okay. hated the fact that they caused Sam Wilson to regress as a human being. Like, mm, you know, so like, you don't feel like he had development as a character. No, I feel like he took a step backwards. Because, uh. like, honestly, like, so going off the logic that Steve Rogers is like, you know, perfect iconic. dude. Yeah, iconic. Yeah, like I, you would think that Sam would trust his judgment, you know, like a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Like, because like I feel like with that show, he just spent so much time meandering, like, oh, I don't deserve this, blah blah blah. Mm. Instead of just like trusting 
Captain really America's like wishes. growing into the character of Captain America. Yeah, instead Meanwhile, of sl- Winter Soldier is just like, fuck you, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, I feel like he just took too long, like saying like, I'm not good enough. When he's like, okay, you know, I may not feel like I'm good enough, but I want to like earn that. So it's almost like I feel like, and let me know if you think I'm interpreting this wrong. I like spend less time with him questioning the role and more time with him learning how to make Captain America his own. Yeah, right. exactly. Like, um, instead of just questioning it, just like... Like, why does the black man have to feel like he's not good enough to be the superhero, right? Exactly, like, yeah. Why just not like, let him be cocky, but still have to learn how to be the kind of, like, hero that Rogers was? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, I just want to live up to this mantle, you know, instead yeah. of just, like, keep, keep having that keep you from doing it. It's I think Marvel like, might have actually put themselves into a weird position, having so many of these main characters falling off at the same time. Mm-hmm. Whole time, let me just to stay on this real quick. It's almost like if Anthony Mackie had played his role like Will Smith in Men in Black, like the first Men in Black movie, right? There we <laughs> go. There we go. Yeah, right. So it's like you know, I'm young, I'm gung ho, I'm I'm about this, but I don't know these are these might be shoes that are too big for me, kind of thing. Yeah, but he's still like I'm gonna do it though. Yeah, right. I'm gonna prove them all wrong. They say I can't. I'm gonna do it. There you go. Right. Yeah. Like that. Listen, I'm I'm actually kind of with it. Right, because it was like, why isn't he good enough to be captain? And the social commentary was kind of there for it. So hopefully, maybe in the next Captain America movie they have, we'll see more of him kind of like stepping up to the plate and less like sitting in the batting box. Like, yeah, because honestly, like again with that whole show, it just felt like kind of like a huge unnecessary build-up to just see a costume. Like, hmm. like they just wrote a story around that. And they're like, oh, we also got to put Zemo back in there for Thunderbolts or something. The big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm enjoying She-Hulk. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. enjoying it. I don't know how. But... It's it's the too hot to handle of Marvel. I can okay. feel... Okay, so once again, right, I feel like we have to remember as consumers of media that not everything is meant to be high. Yeah. Right? I get you. Yeah, definitely. Where even though you can have shows like Archer and like South Park that have their highbrow moments along with the like trash humor and stuff like that, sometimes shows are just meant to be goofy. Jackass. Fun, right? I get We've you. We've even had the discussion. We're like, okay, so if Jackass is the best lowbrow comedy, does that actually make it highbrow? <laughs> That's a question. Um, no, but like in terms of She-Hulk, like I try to consume media in a fashion that like where I understand things aren't made for me necessarily, you know? And it's like, so watching it with this lens on, I still just don't see it as like good enough to fit in that category you're trying to fit in. Mm. Because like, I'm trying to think like, okay, for example, Miss Marvel. Like I could tell who that was made for. It was made for, you know, preteen girls, like someone to look up to, things like that. But She-Hulk, I'm like, is this movie just like, you know, white women and they're like, going through a midlife crisis or something like what's going yeah, on here? i get you you're like who yes. is who is this show for yeah. right? exactly because like, like, it's, it's not confused. for us fans necessarily in terms even though they're like doing things that kind of go against that having like a was it frogman or whoever in it and then like daredevil showing up you know we got that tease at the end of the last episode it's just been like a cameo every episode basically and, yeah and they have they have it's a like ally mcbeal for marvel yeah, they have her breaking the fourth wall. Like, she's talking to the audience. Well, that's everything. what she does in the comics, though, right? Like, she's kind of like Deadpool in that aspect. I saw somebody compare them to her. 
I was like, Deadpool should be the only one that gets to break the fourth wall, and I was just like, eh, that's, that's kind of a whack-ass argument, but, like, if you want to say the writing sucks, then just say the writing sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just kind of feels like it's trying to do a lot at once, and it's like, instead of, mm. you know, focusing on one thing and being really good at it, like, you're spreading themselves too there thin. There you go. I, I feel like, yes, I do see Marvel doing that a lot with their show. Right, like I said, with Thor, Love and Thunder, right? If, if you were gonna ham it up, then just fucking ham it up. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, like Taika Waititi making that movie, like focus on this one thing, which is like, you know, we're just gonna be goofy. We're gonna like just pay tribute to the '80s up the ass, you right. know. Okay. What did you think about Doctor Strange? Oh, I loved it. Okay. It, it was that perfect like breath of fresh air for me in terms of like the, just the everything stagnation. feeling stale. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like. First off, you got Sam Raimi. You know, he's yeah, one of my favorite directors. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And he just spiced everything up and, like, gave me finally what I wanted. I, I'm sure, Dan, you've heard me talk about this over the years. It's like, I need a scary Doctor Strange movie. Mm, I need something. Suppo- that- yeah, he's supposed to be, right? Like, he's mm. the occultic side of Marvel. Exactly. Movies. And if you're going to build, like, Midnight Suns at some point, like, lean right. into that, man. And then have, like, a pre-established character. Like they were that. going to do with uh, the fucking new, uh, the, the new X-Men, right? Uh, what the fuck were they called? Um... What was that? X Force? No, uh, the last X Men movie to come out where it was like oh, the Phoenix uh, Saga. Yeah, yeah, the Phoenix one. No, not oh, the Phoenix Saga. It was the one where like they apocalypse? were like the ki- they were like kids. Oh, New Mutants. Yes, New Mutants. Okay. Yes. So New Mutants was like I guess unofficially, officially an X Men movie, right? Where like they were kids trapped in like some kind of insane asylum, like boarding school kind of thing, and they were be like being tested and analyzed and all that shit and it had like all these horror elements and stuff to it and it was like a x-men movie but like a thriller kind of way yeah and unfortunately that movie went through like a bunch of different reshoots and i feel like four different director recasting like the danger room is actually a danger room but on its face, if you don't know all that, it's still a pretty solid take on an X-Men movie, right? Um, I can see that, yeah. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either, and I feel like that's the way a lot of their stuff has been, except for their TV, right? Like, I did enjoy Captain Falcon Winter Soldier. I Captain did... Falcon Soldier doesn't win. <laughs> Captain Falcon Soldier... Captain Falcon Winter Soldier doesn't win. I thought um, WandaVision was great. I loved like the first half of it gonna, where they like right, lean so into the three, gimmick. Yeah. Count of three, say your they favorite Marvel show so in. far. One, two, three. Moon Knight. Ooh, Moon Knight is really good though. I love Oscar Isaac. Brown power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said Loki too? Yeah, I did. Loki's um, I, amazing though. It's hard to pick between the two. Um, I think WandaVision was this great. Is my hot I take. think Loki has better acting for the right. Loki, Definitely. hot take. Owen Wilson's best performance is as Mobius, and one of my favorite movies is Zoolander. Yeah, no, I definitely, I could definitely. Hell of a stupid ass supermodel. I'm in your corner on this one, Dan. Yeah, that's it's genuinely just a good performance, Owen Wilson. I I think Owen Wilson, like, it might just be the best performance of his career. All the performances were great in that one. I feel like. I feel like the performances were just as great in WandaVision, but they rushed the ending of WandaVision. Definitely. Yeah, they totally did. Um, Paul Pro- Bettany is Paul Bettany underutilized. Is your fucking is, man. Paul Bettany is absolutely underutilized in the Marvel Universe, and I'm so glad that he's willing to come back on um, if they can find a way to, like, I, I don't know. He's a him. robot. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I'm sure 
fucking Spider-Man will figure it out some kind of way. Right? Yeah, it's always Spider-Man. Spider-Man's got time things. And Scarlet Witch is the fucking Scarlet Witch. And Vision's a robot. And they're getting ready to bring fine. Ironheart into the franchise. And then they could always lean into Shiri. So it's like... Yeah, they could totally do that. <laughs> right. Shiri's probably just like, why didn't you bring him to me, like, way earlier? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know I could have been fixed this for you? See, that's another thing I'm kind of worried about. The new Black Panther, like, oh, I, I trust the creative team and stuff. It's yeah, because just... I like Ryan Coogler, too. As far as new directors go, he's one, he's definitely got a vision that I rather enjoy. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to not have Chadwick. Yeah, that part. Like, it feels kind of just it, it's wrong so there were two me. internet um theories that i rather enjoyed and one was um using like the last panther fruit to bring back um you talking about killmonger, killmonger? yes yes yeah. to bring back killmonger i was trying to remember i actually haven't seen that one that's cool name is. using like a forgotten panther fruit to bring killmonger back right and then just letting winston duke the Black Panther. Baku? Yeah. Okay, I, I messed with that one too. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool. I love Baku. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I like Winston Duke as an actor, and I'm like, why can't we just lean into Mbaku? Like, because he wanted to be king anyway. <laughs> hey, that's fair. So, uh, speaking of Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Doc and I once had an amazing idea of how to, like, really fuck up the MCU and introduce Deadpool. Lay it on me. Deadpool meets Nick Fury. Okay. And then uses his teleporter belt and breaks through the multiverse into every Samuel L. Jackson movie. Ooh. Now, while you think about that, let me With know how every you're Samuel L. being variant. Secret Invasion. Have you seen the trailer for that Secret yet? Secret Invasion. Oh, that's, that's gonna be nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's gonna like, be... you know, Sam Jackson, Amelia Clark. I can go wrong. Do, right, doing a lot. Like, it's secret adventure. Doing like an X Files kind of like thing, right? Yeah, I love the X Files. So just like anything that evokes, you know, that show. For By me, the way, like... WandaVision. Remember, I was telling you when it was Randall or it was Russell Park. Randall it, Park. Yeah, Randall yeah. Park out there, the CIA agent. And I'm just like, look, you could totally imagine David Duchovny. You like replace who? I'm like, you don't have to replace anybody. But like, who would he be playing? Agent Mulder. Okay, that's another you thing. Just literally have Agent Mulder there? How cool would it be if they just had a TV show, you know, on Disney Plus or whatever, just about, you know, Randall Park, just week to week, just, like, investigating different, like, superhero mystery... Superhero yeah, right. Superhero things in the MCU. They tried that. It's called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, but yeah. here's the thing. Jimmy Woo, Agents the character's name, is actually cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. If they did yeah. it as a flat-out comedy, you know what would be hilarious? If they actually did it as a three-camp sitcom... Like, instead of WandaVision doing it as, like, the joke, just actually do a three-camp sitcom. How long... Okay, to wrap this up, and then we gotta decide if this island works. How long do you think it's going to take before Marvel does a three-camp sitcom? <sighs> They're gonna run out of ideas eventually, so... Um, <laughs> I give it by... Okay, I'll give, like, one more uh, wave of announcements, and after that we'll probably see yeah, one. Yeah, then we'll have, like, an office-style, like... Damage control. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sword. When they're all living at Avengers Tower, right? Oh god. Oh, I can see it already. The main character of yeah. this show will be the secretary. 85% of the show takes place at the secretary desk. Kind of like Seinfeld and Jerry's apartment in the restaurant. In that case, just have it be like Jarvis or wherever the AI is now. Right. Just like he put can... the camera off the little right. screen. That's it. Writes itself. I'm trying to think of what character out of the entire Marvel universe, like 
who would be out of everybody we've seen in the MCU so far, like who would be the perfect secretary for this day? Zendaya. Well, you know what, Marvel. But she likes... doesn't officially like. She can't officially participate in Avengers like activity because she doesn't fucking remember. No, it would be fucking. Oh my god, dude! It would be. Uh, what is her name? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it would be Darcy at the desk, right? Because she's already there, and she's the snarky one, right? Oh yeah. The other thing that really I have a problem with Marvel is they will get like a. They're, let's be honest. Their rogue gallery is pretty shallow. It's like Thanos, Loki. You're talking about like overall villains? Yeah, like falls oh, yeah. off. Yeah, they're totally like, gonna run out of ideas. The ones that are really good, they always kill off. You watch Thor Love and Thunder, Christian Bale was the best out of the okay. out of that world All right. in that. Last movie. last one and then we have to like wrap up on the island. Uh, my island is that the best villain that the MCU has had so far is Ultron. Five the backwood. With the bitch time out, she ain't that good. Okay, I need I need to hear this. How is it not Ultron? Ultron <laughs> didn't need the Infinity Stones to have them niggas shook for their lives. Okay, that's <laughs> He's fair. He's actually murdered a member of the the Avengers, right? Um, the only person to successfully murder one of the Avengers, right? Um, so much so that they had to create <laughs> a whole fucking new superhero just to deal with this nigga, right? Okay, maybe I'm just like still scorned by Age of Ultron as a film. <laughs> but like, it's you know, really, I can see it. I can see it. I just don't like Joss Whedon. Ultron. Um, <laughs> that's, that's fair, right? But don't don't put that on Ultron, though. Alright, you know, I can do that. That's fair. <laughs> Ultron had everybody's shit. You know, in retrospect, now that I'm thinking about it. Dungeon totally float. did. Dungeon float. You know what? Rass Island definitely I floats because we've been talking about it for the last like half an hour. <laughs> I'm gonna say Rass Island, for the most part, floats. No, it, it, it has to, right? Like we couldn't be there floating are, on a the raft. The exception with... proves the rule. <laughs> if we're like, but Loki, and right. he's like, but everything yeah. else. Hey, I love Loki. I'm not saying there can't be outliers. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's the point. The exception proves the rule. Here you go. Break time. Anyway, you know how we like to bring culture in context, as that's kind of the whole point of this show. Context comes from knowing what came before and what is around and what may come to be. And we know that by taking a look back at what happened this day in history, one week from today. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future! Because we record on Sunday, a week behind, so this will release six days from now. So while we're talking about things for us that happened a week ahead of time, for you, the day that this drops will be the things that happened on the day that this episode drops. Mm. <laughs> on September... 24th. September 24th. In 1952. 19... Okay. The first American fast food restaurant chain for Kentucky Fried Chicken... 
for Kentucky Fried Chicken, also known as KFC, opens its first franchise in where? Salt Lake City, Utah. What a twist! Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. did a whole dollop about this shit. Yo, uh, apparently Colonel Sanders was a wild motherfucker. Yo, like... Honestly, I just eat the KFC. I didn't look too deep into, like, the company or Colonel Sanders much I less. I just think so. it's hilarious that KFC first opened in Salt Lake. Yeah, and it was like a... it was. Um, oh, because it should be Kentucky. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. However, it also does make sense because Salt Lake City is just full of white people. Who wouldn't know what good chicken tasted like? I mean, everybody knows it's Popeye's Master Race. No comment. Mm-hmm. Staying PC here, right? Yeah, I, see, there's a fence in the middle here, and I'm just sitting right on it. Yeah. It hurts a little bit, but you know, I'm good. Hey, that's where the money is. In 1968, CBS realized that the truth hurts and decided to tell people in 60 minutes. No lie, when I was a kid, like, I'd wake up to, like, the clock ticking, like, in the intro for that. <laughs> and then, like, it just, like, it just always, like, creeped me out. It scared me. 60 Minutes interviews can be really compelling. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, to an unsettling point, especially when you see this shit as a child. It's, like, so tense. You're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Your eyes are just peeled to the screen. Like, I don't Most know what they're talking about. Most memorable 60 Minutes interview you have, you have ever seen. And why is it Charlie Sheen? That, that is a good one. That, that's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> I think that's the most meme 60 Minutes interview of all time. It's like the first memed interview, if you really think about it. I don't know. Like, I'm a that big was fan 2010. Of like... Yeah, but I feel like you're forgetting like things that happened pre-internet and stuff like that. That's fair. Like, I did some Ozzy Osbourne interviews. Yeah, like, like there was some pretty It wild. might be the first live meme. Okay, I'll like, give you that. As one. it was happening, people were memeing. Oh, right. So, what are some of the other shit that we got going on in this day and this day? Well, if we're talking about things getting memed in 2010, the year that Charlie Sheen happened to go on 60 Minutes, The Social Network, directed by David Fincher and starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, and Justin Timberlake, premiered at the New York Film Festival. So, what do you think is worse? The social network movie or the impact that social networks have had on society? The second one, because the movie's fantastic. Definitely the latter. It's <laughs> amazing. Like, I can't tell you how many people, especially like in my age range, just can't put their phone down for a second, you know? Mm. It's like live in the moment, man, you know, like don't live through your phone screen. I hate to sound like you know, that guy, but it's true, you know? No, like, it is true. I think there's something to be said about being present in the experience that is your YOLO. But yeah. <laughs> but for real, though. Now, I, but I do think that there is a bit of cringe to being like, don't live through... I, now, people who... No, cause, oh, it's cringy on, now because so many people say it. My yeah, bad, let, me take, let me take that back a step. Because there is an issue, I feel like, with people being just glued to their phones. But... A lot of people are just doing shit. It's the, the simple fact of the matter is, is these phones are, they've made so much convenient, right? Like, you yeah. can be doing, like, whole-ass office work on, like, <laughs> your I, your iPhone 14 Pro Max. I have Get written you, yeah. papers using speech-to-text. So, like, Whoa. there's there's that part. Just me playing devil's advocate all episode, right? <laughs> okay, so I get off the fence, and now you get on the fence. Okay, I see what's up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, in 2014, step aside Bill Cosby, because Anthony Anderson takes place as America's dad with the premiere of Blackish. Mm. Do you, Brett, as a, you know, member of Gen Z, feel like the two are comparable? You know... How much Cosby show have you seen? I've seen, I've seen enough. You know? Okay, so you've seen it. But reference the two. How much blackish has it been? So that's the thing, actually. Uh, um, it came out at that perfect time when, uh, you know, like my family and I would still watch like TV and stuff together on a regular basis. So like I'd kind of am the wrong person to ask about that because like I just have like such a connection to it. You no, know? that's, you're the, that's person the perfect person, person to ask. To ask. Okay, then. Your pop perspective, sir. Yeah, so um, I hate to, you know. Now. I'm going to follow up, since we're oh, yeah. talking about America's current dad for Anthony Anderson, what does Blackish actually mean to you? Because I love that show. I love that show. You know, it just seemed like, especially, you know, again, in the terms of watching it with my family, just, right. you know, like, just good, wholesome TV. Right. You know? Yeah, it, like, leans into some heavy stuff sometimes, like, all good shows should, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's like, it was just fun, you know? This. It's really entertaining. So that's what yeah. the Cosby show did, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know that there's that argument about Bill that despite his um, extracurricular antics, oh um, as as the, we'll call them for the moment, the effort he took to crafting a brilliant piece of cinema, or not cinema, but a brilliant piece of media, yeah. Right, cannot be understated with the Cosby Show because it did the same thing. Right, it handled some very heavy topics through a lens that America hadn't really seen yeah. up to that point. Um, to even to the effect of Bill had reportedly hired a group of um, clinical psychologists to analyze every episode oh. to make sure that there were no negative, like hyper negative portrayals of black imaging on the TV show, right? Because he wanted this to be a show that could be relatable to everybody, even though it was a black family. But he also wanted people to see that this can be a black family too, not just the good times. I get right? you, okay. <laughs> so, blackish is that though for this generation, right? Like Yeah, like stretching like the analogy really thin here. It's kind of like comparing Resident Evil 2 than the remake, you know? It's like, yeah. it's different. I but it's just have, updated. I have you know? the, but I both have the remake somebody. for two sitting on my PlayStation 4, and I've had it for like three years, and I haven't even opened it. It's Dan, play it. I, I know. I need to. <laughs> so Once cool. I finish my replay on Skyward Sword, don't worry, don't worry why I'm playing that yeah, game again. It's my favorite Resident Evil at this moment. We'll see when the 4 remake comes out, but like... I don't even understand why they need to remake 4. 4 what? was already fought. All right, so... <laughs> All right, hold on. Oh, tangent. Tangent. Tangent alert. Tidal wave. Why do they need to remake Resident Evil 4? Right. Like, it's it's so good. And you know what's going to piss me off? If they do a full remake. They should just do a remaster. Because if they do a remake, I swear to God, with the ADHD 2022 generation, they're going to make it so Leon can move and shoot. The most compelling thing about Resident Evil 4 was no matter how many fucking guys you had to fight, Leon's ass had to stop and turn and shoot. The true terror of that game. No, but the I... fucking mechanics, right? Yes. That's the true terror of so, any horror game. To honestly. answer your question, Dan, um, 
I feel like they're doing it in a way where kind of like with what Naughty Dog just did with The Last of Us. They just want consistency across the board. So like visually, you know, from game to game, you don't like, it doesn't take you out of it. You know, so like you can like, as someone coming into the series, you know, like my age, for example, if you've never played it before, I have, I'm cool. Uh, you can sit down and play two, play three, then four, and then pick up like eight. I don't know why you pick up Ada. It's horrible, but um, I look. Yeah. I look at Resident so you Evil don't two like in the remake of iterations two. of the game. So I love seven, because like seven's Bio, actually that's scary. Like, that's yeah. The, yeah. The one where you're in Louisiana in the house. Yeah. 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 I just started playing that, and it's. You're in for a treat, man. Dude, so I love horror games, right? Yeah. Especially as a kid, they were one of my favorite types of video games. Like I wasn't really into first-person shooters. I like hack and slashers and platformers, but I love horror games. Horror games are scarier to me than horror movies will ever be. 100%. Yeah, because you're actually like partaking in it. You know, like it's you so, get immersed and in they're it. They're so immersive, dog. Right? Fucking seven. Bio Biohazard has me so fucking shook that I can only play that game like once a month. Right, like it's it's really like I don't know if it's because I'm like older, right, and my heart ain't built. No, no, I felt that same thing, dude. But like I still made myself like night after night. Yeah. Turn the lights out, yeah, exactly. you know. You just start playing it. You have to play a horror game. Like covered in the have... blankets, you know. Like yes, it's just such a good. So game. all of us have played Resident Evil. Right? And yes. the fact that they have it in you VR, played more, right? Yes. The fact that they have it in VR makes it even worse. I'm like, dude, I who wish I could play it on VR. Is bra- you're brave enough to play that shit in VR, like. Dude, I even tried to play it on like the hardest difficulty, where you got like one life or something yeah. like that. I mean, I died immediately, but so, it was still scary. Right. I see the Resident Evil it's 2 like a remake compared to the original. Movie. The way I compare the seven, the Final Fantasy seven and the remake, like they're totally different games. Yeah, but like that works to like yeah. each. Resident Evil 4, I don't want a totally different game. I literally just want pretty Resident Evil 4. That's all I want. Yeah, but Dan, like, look at it this way. Like, he wants Resident Evil 4 that looks like Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like, what if you actually end up liking the changes that they make? And who's to say they don't, like, add a setting where you can mm. stop and shoot just, you know, for shits and gigs? I mean, I suppose I can give you that because the way I described the Final Fantasy 7 remake is it's everything I never knew I wanted. Yeah. Again, like, they could just do some really cool stuff with Leon as a character. Because, like, as much as we all love it, you know, in the old game, he's just, uh, insert uh, 80s action hero here, you know? But, like, that works to that game's credit because, like, it's kind of campy in a way, you know? Like, it gets... He's the 80s action hero with the worst fucking luck ever. Yeah, but, like, now they're just trying to lean in, I guess, into the horror like, I would just more. Have, like, if I was Leon, like, I would just find a job with a pension and then literally never leave it, leave it. Because every time he gets a new fucking job, everybody dies. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Actually, no, you don't want that. Because watch him get a job at, like, I don't know, TJ Maxx. <laughs> like, <laughs> zombie outbreak, you know, occurs. That's all so, we need. Resident Evil has always been great, right? But it's always been one of those horror franchises that, you know, straddles that line of, like, horror action. Yeah. Right, so it's like now they're trying to figure out which direction to really take. Like, do we lean more into that creepy zombie aspect? And what, like, hurts me so much is that Seven, like, went back into the horror direction. Like, it just, like, it didn't take a step back. It just, like, straight up just fell backward into it. And then Eight, like, undid all of that. You want a panic attack for, like, 72 hours? Yeah, and, like, what's crazy is some people, like, hate Seven for that reason. Like, they just can't, like, sit down and actually, like, play through it because it's so intense. Well, they're pussies, right? And even 
person, and this is me sitting here <laughs> saying that I haven't really even like gotten into the game yet because it's scary as fuck, right? But that's what makes it so great. Exactly, yeah. Like you gotta at least like even if you can't handle it, you gotta still like sit back and be like, Persevere wow, the fact that a video yes. game made me feel that. Yeah, right. Right. Insane. And I can't tell you the last horror movie that made me feel that way. Uh, I can. No horror movies made me. The last thing I watched that actually. Alright, besides. Better Call Saul, when Chuck was made to look fucking crazy, I was like, fuck you, Charles. Like, dancing, like, screaming, fuck you, Charles. It was, it was a blast. But before that, it was Demon Slayer. When they were fighting the, the like, Spider Mom. She had all of those, like, Demon Slayer students, like, tied up by the webs. Like, Tanjiro yeah. cut them all loose, and he was like, I can save you! And then the Spider Queen was just like, nah, I'm done. And then, like, within a second, she just pulls the strings, and you see all of their necks snap. Lead back and gap. I was like, holy fucking shit. The two horror movies in honor of Spooky Season officially starting. That's right, I'm officially starting Spooky Season. Oh, I'm yes, all sir. on board. I already got the costume picked out and everything. Yeah. Uh, the last two horror movies that have really done that to me. No, okay, three. Um, that have really done that to me were the Evil Dead remake, right? And it wasn't spooky, but it was everything I could have ever wanted in an Evil Dead remake. The fucking, oh my god, the practical effects. Like, it, Dude, it was it, gorgeous. The effects in that movie are bananas. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're talking about what do you want in an Evil Dead movie, I first thing I'm going to say is Bruce Campbell. I mean, it didn't even. Just the way they remade it, like the story they told with it. Dude, and, and the fact that it worked without Bruce. And, yes. That is what's insane. And the tension, the way they built the tension, the movie didn't feel rushed at all. Because that's the thing I feel like a lot of movies go through now, is they're rushed, mm-hmm. right? But the Evil Dead remake, fucking masterpiece. Um, Do you think that applies more to remakes? Yeah, because then to like original films, like a okay. good one. I feel like the Gray Man. Did the Gray Man feel rushed? Mm, no, but the pacing was a little weird. I'll give you that. The Evil Dead remake could have been a movie on its own, right? Like that could have stood as an original piece that just happened to have the same fucking name, right? And not yeah. even really be attached to the original IP, other than just through the Necronomicon, right? Which H.P. Lovecraft created as, like, an open-source work of horror anyway. That's true, right? right? I mean, you have the C for Cthulhu book. I have, like, the whole, like, Cthulhu mythos sitting up there. Well, no, That's you what's have, up. That's you what's have up. The, uh, the ABC by Cthulhu. But, yeah, no, because I fuck with H.P. Lovecraft and Lovecraftian horror, right? Dude, it's rad. Yeah, did, like, did, it's did really cool song. The, the Cthulhu plushie yet? Yes, she does have the Cthulhu plushie. <laughs> My Dude. daughter has a Cthulhu plushie. Hey, yo, <laughs> that's it. Yo, um, but the Babadook, too. Awesome. That was another okay. one where I was like, the tension and the story that was being told put me in a really immersed place. Like, I was, first of all, that child's acting in The Babadook is way better than Brad Pitt could ever do. I'm, I'm saying it, and I'm not even <laughs> joking about it. It's, a, it's, I'm saying it to be funny, Brad, if you ever hear this, but honestly. Also to mock his co host. That child. The way he threw that tantrum in that car, son. Yeah. That actor, not his co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the Babadook was great. And then the fact that it is now like an LGBTQ icon because of like a Netflix glitch is also <laughs> hilarious. I, I, I was looking at that. That's, that's awesome, yeah. dude. No, but like as far as horror movies go, one that really did it for me, and I'm not sure if you guys have even seen this, um, The Lighthouse with um, oh, I Pattinson and Defoe. Yeah. No, okay, I've, that movie totally gives me like Kubrick shining vibes. Yeah. And like it's not of course till like the very last act where like shit hits the fan. It's not like scary per se, but it's just highly kind of disturbing as the movie yes. goes on. It's unsettling, right? It like, makes it sounds like, like the way like watching Requiem for a dream. Yeah, kind of like that like it just totally messes with your head cuz you go crazy with Pattinson in this movie. Like so you see everything through his eyes. I remember correctly, that movie is directed by the same who, dude who did The Witch. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was another really good horror movie that was way too fucking quiet. Stop making movies so fucking... The dialogue. Stop making dialogue so quiet, and then the explosions, so that you have to turn the TV back down again. Dude, yeah. It's- no, see, okay, you're in for a treat with the lighthouse, then, because, like, Defoe's just, like, shouting in his, you know, 20 <laughs> sailor voice, like, the whole time, and, like, literally just watch it with subtitles, because, like, I watched in the theater, and I couldn't, like, figure out what he was saying half the time, yeah. until, like, I watched it at home, and I'm like, okay, that's, oh, he's saying a lot of cool stuff here. <laughs> okay, cool. So the way uh, the director, Robert Eggers, has characters break down um, in real time is really great. He did it in The Witch too, and you got to watch this like fucking like 17th century Calvinist family break down in the middle of the woods while this witch does absolutely nothing other than maybe molest the son. Like, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> both of those are great. Okay. Um, I didn't do anything. We just laid the back together. No, you had to take it to a dark place. <laughs> Yeah. So are we? I already was. Something came up earlier where I could have also gone to the Neverland Ranch joke, and I didn't. So I'm proud of myself. It, it... You never go Neverland Ranch. Um, <laughs> never go Neverland Ranch. I do feel like we have slid out of this day in history. Um, so I'm gonna take us into another wild historical moment. Uh, the debate between whether or not you should eat your cereal with milk or water um, has been officially settled by the Kellogg's brand. Just recently they revealed what they call new Instabowls, which they are marketing as more portable, a affordable choice if you're like on the go. They don't require milk, you just add water. That's right, you heard me. Water. Okay. To your cereal. That sounds like struggle cereal right there. You know, like, <laughs> you're growing up and, like, can't afford the milk, so you just do that. Giant announced the debut of Instabowls, a portable container of its most portable cereal brands, um, including Instatized Milk Powder, um, that's a quote, <laughs> that turns into real milk with a quick stir upon adding water. That is so grody. As a writer, as a writer, as a writer, as a writer, I would find it highly obnoxious if somebody read something that I wrote and projected an entirely different idea from what I intended. Where are you? Well, going? I'm going to be doing that with Kellogg's. Kellogg's, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Everything that you're saying is wrong. None of it makes any sense. 
It's MRE cereal. It's a meal ready to eat cereal. That is so true. It is. It's America furthering this uh, this trend that we've had since the 60s, right? That's when, um, like, World War II, Space we started really, like, yeah. cheapening the production of food and making food that would last a long time in case of nuclear fallout, right? That's, like, mm-hmm. where all the hard processed cheese... That's when America really started processing, like, all of their food. And then when World War II ended, and we ended up with, like... 52% of the world's wealth, right? And we didn't have to make cheap things anymore. Our corporations went, well, why should we stop making cheap shit, right? <laughs> money, money, money. So we continued this trend where it's like, yeah, um, we don't care if it's bad for you. It's really cheap and it's convenient. America loves convenience a la smartphones. A la social media, a la Google, like, a la McDonald's, a la DoorDash, right. a la the link in Pope Noir's Instagram page. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> there we go. Come on, baby. Got to tie it back, you know. Business capitalism—that's how it is. Look, uh, you know we're a left-wing pie, but we still like some kind of capitalist. <laughs> I know I, what capital is. I mean, if we live in a society yeah, of spectacle, and all right. Alright, Walking Phoenix. <laughs> like, we live in a society. I was going somewhere with that. Of course, you feed Americans a bunch of their processed cheese at low dollar amounts so they can buy ample amounts of things. What's another thing that America loves? That's right, they love spectacle. And you know what? It's 2022, and you know who the king of spectacle, strangely enough, is? That's right, Logan Paul. Ooh. I was gonna say Kanye West, but I guess you're right, though. I mean, there's an argument to be made for either. But as you were saying... Well, Logan Paul is going to be taking on Roman Reigns in WWE. Okay, who's more of a joke? You know, Logan Paul for asking WWE to do that, or Roman Reigns for taking it? You think WWE... <laughs> you think Logan asked WWE? Well, I it worked, totally it worked for my uh, statement. WWE threw him a bag. Dan, it worked for my statement. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so... This whole thing with, like, these spectacle, it makes me feel like we're back in, like, the 1920s, right? When people were doing shit like diving off of poles into the cups <laughs> this of feels, water and this shit. Feels like, very, um, this feels very Evil Knievel. I mean, they're just... Evil like, Knievel or David Blaine, just like, it's... Yeah. This is now Logan Paul's thing. It's like... Paul told USA Today in an interview that it's about virality. This entertainment business, my brother and I will always bring fucking seats in. (laughs) Roman Reigns and the WWE know that. His wrestling skills date back all the way to high school, apparently, is what he's claiming. Because it's totally the same wrestling. Uh, Right, guys? (laughs) Right, like... You should have said theater, then we would have, you know, (laughs) believed he has the credentials for this. Uh, But, no, I mean, so, you know, he's been in the ring a couple of times, I feel like. But the other thing No other boxers are taking him seriously, so... Like, at this point, like, you and I, we're like, you know what? Logan, you alright, but Jake, fuck you. I don't like any of them. I feel like I gotta Jake's... say, when Logan walked out to the Mayweather fight with the Shadow is graded 10 first edition Charizard, I was like, holy shit, that's like a such fucking flex. I would love to do that. So I feel like Logan's character development has taken an interesting <laughs> turn. Like if you look at them as like, because they're they're meaty, dog. Like everything yeah. they do 
even though it's like reality media, we know reality TV is fake, right? So yeah, if we yeah. look at them through these YouTubers through the same lens, right? Like that style of YouTuber through the same lens, then, you know, his character development is take his character arc is taking an interesting <laughs> shift here. He's now like this exquisite podcast host who also fights in his spare time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the Zoomer Joe Rogan kinda. <laughs> oh great, just give us some time. You know, once well, Joe stops making podcasts, that, he's gonna pick it up. We said that Logan no I was, was gonna Jake. say Logan has Joe, Jake we said that Jake needs to fight Joe. <laughs> Logan though has had some like interesting takes though right like yeah. he said some things that i was like okay so you're not totally inept right like you remember when like we were oh you might not remember the days of like early reality tv with uh anna nicole smith and like paris hilton and nicole richie and their i mean i know about yeah, that stuff yeah. but yeah uh those reality stars like everybody and jessica simpson and nick lachey and shit so i'm aging myself just a little bit but <laughs> when all that shit was going on, there was a debate on like how stupid those like people actually were. It's right? the chicken yeah. of the sea. It's like, come on, they're super rich. There's no way they can be that stupid, right? And it's like Logan has shown that he's not that stupid. He's not the the fucking dude that the Disney Channel hired to do what the fuck was that show called? Insane Farts or Dude, it took me a long time to even realize he was on the Disney Channel. Mm -hmm. I just remember him from the Vines. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, props to him, though. though, Yeah. But didn't go stupid. Hey, but props to him for, like, actually, you know, having a platform now where he can, you know, make good takes and stuff like that. Exactly. Like, honestly, I didn't even think he was capable of it. He called, when he called out his white privilege, that fucked me up, right? Like, I was like, yeah, that's heavy for a dude who got famous and rich to the position where he's at now from monetizing his white privilege right (laughs) and he said that he's fully aware of like he would not have been able because i mean look at the dude who used to do the fucking uh put him in the coffin or whatever that guy (laughs) is in jail right now (laughs) dang i didn't even know that yeah yo like but it's the same shit that jake and them were doing so it's like why is that guy in jail it's kind of like the whole argument that's going on on youtube right now with um Corey Kenshin and how he's yeah. like the way YouTube like will demonetize you and like age gate you feels a little like racy right and now YouTubers are like going and doing shit to see how quickly they can get age gated and stuff like that and how much YouTube is playing favorites towards certain people you know who yeah. might just happen to fit a certain profile so we're not saying youtube is racist but if you looked at it it might seem like it's a little racist <laughs> just a little bit not enough to ruin their public image just yet Corey was working at ruining the public image Look, it's a flood! It's a flood! It's flooding! Get away! Get away. Quick, quick, we need to get to higher ground! Open the floodgates!